So are you living for the here and now, or are you living for the now and later? Here and now would have to do with, you know, this life and what we can get along with and what we can get and all that good stuff. Now and later would mean that while we're here now, we're living for Jesus so that we can have a later with him in heaven. If the Bible says that something is true, do you believe it? Is that your first response? If the Bible uh, tells you something to do, do you believe that you should do it? If the Bible tells you something to do and you believe that you should do it, do you then go ahead and do it? A little more commitment than the previous question. What if you hear something today, no guarantee, but what if you hear something today and you know it's true and you know God wants you to do it, will you go ahead and begin to live your life differently? So I'm going to offer you a challenge prayer. So if you would go ahead and bow your heads, then I'll tell you the challenge prayer and you can pray it if you want or not. Anyway, this is the way it goes. God, tell me this morning at least one thing you want me to do and I'll do it. God, tell me this morning at least one thing you want me to do and I'll do it. Okay, if that's you, go ahead. Father, may I be a doer of what you want me to do. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who like to turn in your Bibles to where we are, we are in 1 Peter, near the back of the book. 1 and 2 Peter, 1 and 2 and 3 John, Jude, and Revelation. Screen, uh, screen's going to have the, slide, uh, uh, the scripture, but I know some of you like to look at it. 1 Peter 1, verses 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Does God choose some people to go to heaven and some people to go to hell? A quick read of this verse, one might think that. And there are other scriptures elsewhere in the New Testament that you can look at and you can, by just kind of focusing on them, believe that God chooses some people to go to heaven and he chooses some people to go to hell. Now, I disagree with that assessment because when you take the whole of the Bible into account, I think you'll see that God wants everyone to go to heaven. Here are some scriptures. For example, 
Jesus, after his resurrection, and before he left to go to heaven, told his disciples this in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Who does God want saved? Luke 24. Then he, Jesus, opened their minds. This was several disciples after Jesus' resurrection. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Who does God want saved? John three, sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So who does God want saved? 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So who does God want saved? Well, I mean, Peter was the one who wrote the first two verses in 1 Peter 1 that sent us off on the tangent about this. And he's the guy that's super clear that says God wants everyone to come to repentance. Now, you and I can have different views on this, and our salvation does not rest on this. But if you'd like to discuss this further, just give me a buzz, uh, email me, and we can get together at another time. Okay? Are you living for the here and now, or are you living for the now and later? Have you ever experienced someone telling you one thing, but by the way they behave, you know that they didn't really believe the one thing you, they told you. For example, a friend remarks to you that it's very important to be honest, but then you catch them cheating on a test. Or at work you see them putting in false information when it comes to the mileage report, the log. Or maybe you've asked a friend to go with you to an event. And they said they can't come with you to this event that's important to you because they have to be out of town that weekend with their family. You go to the event, it's over. Two weeks after the event is over, you realize that your friend who was out of town with their family 
really wasn't out of town, but they went to this other thing with some other people. And they knew at the time that you asked them, or maybe you're a boyfriend or girlfriend or your husband or your wife has told you that they love you. And yet three months down the road, you find that they are unfaithful. Just because someone says something, just because someone says something, does that mean that they live up to what they say? Do you live up to what you say in your relationship with other people, in your relationship with God? Do you live up to what you say? Are you living for the here and now? Or are you living for the now and later? As we move through these next three verses, I'm going to point out some things that God through Jesus has done for us. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, if Jesus had not given us new birth, like Ben mentioned in his communion meditation about how Jesus was indispensable for mankind and the world, if it had not been for Jesus giving us new birth into a living hope, and this hope is not just, oh, I hope it's going to happen. This hope is really a guarantee. If Jesus had not done that, where would we be? In his great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Is it wrong, according to the Bible, to acquire goods and to even be rich? No, it's, it's not. According to the Bible, is it wrong to have fun? No, that's not true either. According to the Bible, is it wrong to be famous? No, we, we can be famous, that's okay. But... Is it wrong to acquire goods and be rich and have fun and be famous more than living for Jesus? Absolutely. What did Jesus say about that? Turn to Luke 14. There are nine verses we are going to look at. In Luke 14, they will still be on the screen. I know some of you enjoy having the section in front of you. Luke 14, beginning with verse 25. See what Jesus said about living for the now and later. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them and turning to you and to me, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, 
wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, hate here is a comparative term. Jesus does not want us to hate these people. But compared to the love that we have with Jesus, then the love we have for everyone else compared to the love we have for him, it's so different and so distant that it almost looks like we hate these people because we love for and care for Jesus so much. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, the people that carry the cross are those that die to themselves, putting away our desires, our wants, our wishes, our plans, our goals, And so Jesus then gives some examples. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, that goofball didn't have enough money to finish what they started. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able to win this war, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask, for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Is this giving up everything business what Jesus expects from each of us? Unless Jesus was lying here, that's precisely what he expects for you and me to give up everything to him. Now salvation is a gift that we do not deserve and we cannot earn. But being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus is costly. Very costly. I'm not wishing or hoping or praying for terrible economic times. I'm not wishing or hoping or praying for open season on Christians. But if we did have terrible economic times and if there were to be open season on Christians, 
would it not probably in that situation be easier to, to depend on Jesus when our world and our stuff are no longer there? If we were to seek Jesus when we thought we really needed him, why would we not seek him wholeheartedly when things are going well? In all this, the blessings and benefits of verses three through five, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. So if you had two options, option number one, you would sign up to have trials, or option number two, you would sign up to have no trials. Option one, sign up to have trials. Option two, sign up to have no trials. How many of us would sign up for option one? Probably the exact amount of hands that went up. And yet, consider this. When have you grown most in your relationship with Jesus? When things are great? Or when you think your life may be circling the drain? There are those of us in this room, when things have gone bad and we are going through trials, that during that time we are going through those trials more than when things are going great. We have grown closer to God when everything seemed to have been going wrong, and yet we won't choose to have trials. Peter lists two benefits of trials. Number one, trials prove our faith in Jesus is the real deal. Trials prove that our faith in Jesus is the real deal. These trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. See, when you've gone through a trial and you and Jesus have gotten really close, it showed you that your faith in him was real. It proved to you that your relationship was solid and you grew more than you could have imagined through those tough times. It proved that trusting Jesus was the way to go and that your faith in him was the real deal. These trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The second benefit of trials that Peter mentions, our faith is a real deal. The second benefit is our faithfulness to Jesus during our trials honors him. Our faithfulness to Jesus during our trials brings honor to Jesus. 
when tough times come your way or temptations as they are inclined to do, just show up. When that stuff happens, do you remain consistently faithful? Or have you kind of blown it recently? Opportunity to be faithful and to give honor to Jesus. Have you kind of blown it recently? Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Is that not why? Jesus came in the first place. Is that not why we came to him? Because we didn't want to be lost any longer. We wanted to be saved. We wanted to have a relationship with Jesus. We wanted to make it to be heaven. Verses 10 through 12 speak of the prophets and their telling what's going to happen for them in the future. It also mentions in those three verses how they wanted to know what was going to happen, but they couldn't, and they realized they were saying that thing, those things for us. There are verses in the Bible that give me great comfort. I am a fan of those. For example, one of my favorite verses is Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. I like those kind of verses. There are other verses that when I read those or when I hear them, they cause me to squirm because they put pressure on me. They are there to change me and my behavior. They're there to make me different than what I am. And though Jesus may not require me to be a fan of those type of squirm verses, he nonetheless requires that I, with those verses, to be obedient. Whether I like them or not. When I share some of these next verses, maybe you're already in a relationship with Jesus such that you're not going to squirm, and that's okay, good for you. But if you're like me, squirm along with me. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Peter tells us to be alert and clear-headed. He tells us to not be distracted. I don't know about you, but is it fairly easy to be distracted by the things of this world? No, it's not that some of the things that distract us are bad. Some of the things that distract us can be good. But what happens when we are distracted by the good at the expense of of taking our focus off of the things that are the best, which are the things that Jesus has for us. And he, Jesus even gave to us the things that are good, but does he want us to be distracted by the things that are good and, and not 
purposely focus and not set our hope on his things? Of course, he wants us to make a decision time and time again to purposely focus and to refocus on him. What tempts you to not be clear-headed? What is it that distracts you from focusing on Jesus like he wants us to? As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Now, has Jesus said that doing the right thing is easy? Actually, he has said and acknowledged that doing the right thing is often the most difficult thing to do. Has Jesus said, I have to like doing what I do for him? He does not. What he says is, whatever it is I tell you, says Jesus, you need to obey and do it. We don't like that. That causes me to squirm. Are you living for the here and now? Or are you living for the now and later? But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I, I am holy. Does Jesus really expect me to be holy? Does Jesus really expect me to be holy? What, what did Jesus say back in Luke 14? He said we give up everything for him, otherwise we can't follow him. And unless God was having Peter to lie when he wrote what he wrote, then God most assuredly expects us to be holy. How can we accomplish this part about being holy? Well, Peter said it back in verse 2 that we read earlier. It is accomplished through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Jesus not merely wants you to be holy. Jesus expects you. He expects you and me to be holy. How you doing? Would you bow your head, please? Will you listen to God's Spirit as He speaks to your heart? Will you listen to God's Spirit as He speaks to you through His Word? Will you listen to God's Spirit as He quietly at times reminds you to behave a certain way even though you really want to do something else? Will you listen to and obey the Spirit even when those around you are pulling you in a different direction.
Are you willing to be weird for Jesus? Are you willing to be left out for Jesus? Are you willing to give God's Holy Spirit permission to work in your life and to make you holy as he chooses to do? If at the beginning you prayed the challenge prayer, what did God tell you? Okay, if you were serious, whether you like it or not, go ahead and commit it to him. If you're serious and you want God's spirit to sanctify you and to make you as Jesus wants you to be, ask God to have his spirit to mold you and to shape you into the person that God wants you to be. If you have never made a commitment to follow Jesus, if you have perhaps made a commitment to follow him, but you have, for whatever reason, not been immersed, you can do that today. If you would like to have prayer, if you want to talk with someone and find out what maybe you need to do in, in growing closer to God, then when this service is over and you walk out of this room, when you get into the lobby, if you look to the right and you see our welcome center and the next step sign, there will be someone there that you can talk to. Doesn't have to be in front of everybody there. You can go down the hallway and speak privately. If you're online and watching and God has spoken to you and he wants you to do something and you want to discuss that with somebody, then if you get in touch with us through the email or the phone number, then I can promise you before the week is, before tomorrow is over, that we will get in touch with you. Father in heaven, it's costly. I mean, I mean you, did, you did the main work and you gave us your free gift of salvation. You made us right in, in your eyes through what Jesus has done, but then clearly following you costs us our lives. And so, Father, may we allow your spirit to change us and to mold us and to clean us up and to sanctify us bit by bit and to make us as you want us. And Father, may you have everything in our lives. May we, with the people we love, share your truth with them so that they can belong to you and they too can have their sins forgiven. Father, have your way with us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.